0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the City of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, I don't know about you, but... I oftentimes find that I need time in my life to actually reflect on my life. ever, you ever find time like that? I know we're busy in the year 2018. It's hard to sit down. It's hard to force oneself to, to reflect for just a few moments. But hopefully you have time here or there to ask yourself about your own life. And despite the chaos of every day, perhaps you're able to find a brief moment. I find it in the shower. The shower is my primary way that I think about my life and just have some quiet, especially with a newborn. Uh, The the shower is like my one safe haven uh, where he will not appear uh, screaming. But maybe it's the shower. Uh, Maybe for you it's your morning commute. Maybe it's over just a cup of coffee, a, a few calm moments in the morning. Maybe it's an afternoon stroll around the block. I try to do that as well. Um, but maybe all you have are those brief few moments between laying your head down on the pillow uh, and your eyes closing for the night. Maybe that's all you have. But whenever it is for you, at some point we all ask ourselves really three questions, um, and maybe not directly, but the three questions arise. One is, where have I been? So what is my past? Where am I now? What is my present situation? And where am I going? What is my future? sometimes, you know, we're purposely blind to these questions. We, we try and suppress them. We don't want to face ourselves. We fear the honest answer. It's really difficult. But the truth is, in some cases, that it can be quite painful. I'm reminded of that scene, and I tend to think uh, through the lens of Seinfeld when I think about my own life. George Costanza is my patron saint. He may be yours as well. You can, we can share him. Uh, but he's confronted in the scene in the diner uh, with his friend Kramer. And Kramer, essentially, is getting George to think about his life, to reflect more deeply on his existence. And so Kramer asks, or he says, rather, he says, you're wasting your life, George. And George says, I am not what you call wasting. I call living. I'm living my life, Cosmo says, or Kramer, rather. He says, okay, like what? Seriously, what do you, what do you have going on? Tell me. Do you have a job? And George says, well, no. You got money? No. Do you have a woman? No. Do you have any prospects? No. You got anything on the horizon? Um, No. Do you have any action at all? No. Do you have any conceivable reason for even getting up in the morning? And George responds by saying, Well, I like to read the daily news. Well, friends like George, you and I are sometimes embarrassed to even confront what our lives have come to. Uh, Sometimes it really is the small things that get us through. If it's the daily news, God bless you. But (laughs) the regrets of the past, um, the ambiguity and confusion of our present, and the dread of the future can be overwhelming. Reflecting on our own lives, like I said, is difficult and it's painful. And so with that pain, we often have to numb it. Uh, We do it in different ways. You know, the the daily buzzing chatter of our lives, we just kind of float through and hope that the drone will will get us through. Distractions. We all love distractions. We say we don't, but we love them because they keep the truth at arm's length, at least for a little while. But that's only temporary. Usually we graduate to more sophisticated ways to distract ourselves. Uh, Stronger coping mechanisms we learn. And so this is a brief reprisal. If you were at St. George's on Palm Sunday, you would have heard my sermon. Uh, and I used uh, that, that Sunday, and particularly five songs by Johnny Cash, to kind of frame Holy Week. Uh, so if you didn't hear that, I encourage you to listen to it, not because it's just an awesome sermon, but because those songs those songs are worth listening to, and it really gives a new take on Holy Week, if, if you're interested. But so to reprise that, I want to bring out another Johnny Cash song, which is actually Chris Christofferson, uh, but Johnny did a really wonderful version, the version, if you ask me, of Sunday morning coming down. If you've heard that, it's a sobering Bone chilling account of what it means to face oneself. And so I want to give just uh, the refrain from the song, and bear with me as I read it. On a Sunday morning sidewalk, I'm wishing, Lord, that I was stoned. Because there's something in a Sunday that makes a body feel alone. And there's nothing short of dying that's half as lonesome as the sound of the sleeping city sidewalk. And Sunday morning, coming down. Well, friends, I don't know if you've ever had to face yourself so intensely and so honestly as that. The truth is, you probably have, but maybe he just captured it in a way that you, you couldn't have or I couldn't have. But these life questions emerge. Who am I? Where have I been? Where am I now? And where am I going? And for Johnny Cash in that song, it's, it's dismal. For George Costanza, it's dismal. And for you and me, for being honest, most of the time, it's not, our, it's not where we want to be. Let's put it that way. So to go back 2,000 years ago, we're looking at the disciples in that room um, the very Sunday after Jesus was crucified. And of course, they haven't received the news yet. They're still in despair. And our reading tells us that they were locked away in fear of the Jews, perhaps fear um, that they might experience the same fate as Jesus in his death. Yeah, it was that original Sunday morning coming down, if you will. They're depressed. Who knows where they spent the night before? Um, And these questions that that I've been raising for you are probably rattling around in their own minds about their own life. You know, they put so much hope. They put all their eggs in this basket, Jesus. And so they may be asking these questions. They're swarming about. What does it all mean? What brought us to this point? What happened? Why, God? Why are we in this predicament? How could we have let this happen? How could we have been so foolish to even believe? What's going to happen to us? Will they find us? Can we ever return home knowing that we have this reputation of being Jesus followers? Do we even have a future? Is life even worth living anymore? So you see with them the regret of the past, the confusion of the present, and the dread of the future... We're all too real in the wake of Jesus' death. And yet, as we see in the reading, and this is Easter 2, we all know the end of the story. We know that Jesus did rise again. So Jesus appears to them. His resurrected body somehow passes through their locked doors to encounter them in the flesh that very first Sunday evening. And can we pause for just a brief moment and continue to speculate maybe what was going on in their mind? You know, that fear and anxiety in the room was already heightened. They're already worried about their own fate. Their hearts are surely racing. Their nerves are on edge. And Jesus, the one whom they betrayed and abandoned, has now appeared. Was this his ghost? Was he there to haunt them? Has he returned to seek vengeance? Was he there to blame them for what had happened? And in that long, silent pause between his appearance and the very first words uttered, I'm sure they were expecting him to say, where were you? How did you let this happen? They were expecting Jesus to be wagging his finger. But instead, what they find is Jesus saying, Peace be with you. Yeah, they expected that finger wagging Jesus, but they get the only Jesus that there is. That's the Jesus with the outstretched arms, with the nail scarred hands, the one with forgiveness on his lips. He brings them peace. And it's in Jesus, in his peace, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. That those harsh questions that we all ask, and the, the harsh questions that were surely going on in the disciples' minds, those questions are silenced. The regrets of past are forgiven. The ambiguity and confusion of the present is alleviated. And the dread of the future is transformed into hope. My friends, the resurrection changes everything. But Thomas was not there. And Thomas naturally and rightfully so demands evidence. You know, wouldn't you? I'd be skeptical. These things don't happen. People don't rise from the dead. I would would want a little evidence myself. You can't really blame Thomas. In fact, my birthday is on the saint day of St. Thomas, December 21st. So birds of a feather flock together. I don't know. But he demands to see the wounds. He demands to touch Jesus' side. He wants to know, is this guy really resurrected? He's not just a ghost, is he? I want to know, is he in the flesh? And so Jesus, again, a week later, appears. And that's why this reading always appears, by the way, just so you know. Uh, It's always a week later, after Easter, this this reading is here. And Jesus, again, appears in the room. And again, his very first words are, peace be with you. And he sees Thomas, and he gives Thomas the invitation. He says, come, come see for yourself. And right at the invitation, Thomas doesn't even have to take him up on it. Thomas uh, bursts uncontrollably into that great Easter confession. My Lord and my God. Well, friends, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is God. I don't have to prove that to you, but I'm proclaiming it and saying the resurrection confirms it. And it's remarkable, too, that he doesn't just appear resurrected, but he appears still as the crucified Lord. He's still got the nail marks. He's still got the wounds. I mean, if I were resurrected, I would have gotten rid of those. I would have had the perfect body. But he appears with those wounds. He carries our infirmities even still. It's not just a reminder of what he did for us. But it's a continual proclamation that he carries our weakest parts. Our sickness, our weakness, our sin. So Thomas was weak in his belief. And yet the Lord met him to lift him into belief. And in belief, that is faith and trust. I don't mean merely assent. I mean a trust in Jesus as his true peace. Thomas, too, could carry on in his life. Those questions are no more. He can move forward. He, too, could experience the forgiveness, meaning, and hope that the other disciples came talking about. They confessed. So what does this mean for us? Here we are. It's the year 2018. What what does this have to do with us? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the resurrection changes everything. And Jesus, who lives today, brings us his peace too. And to the problems of life that we've been discussing throughout the sermon, the problems that are on your mind now, I'm sure, the past, the present, and the future, whatever it is, they all converge in this person, Jesus the past, the present, and future, all converge in Jesus, who holds all time in his hands. And the regrets of our past are forgiven, the confusion of now is alleviated, and the dread of the future is transformed into hope for you and for me. So maybe this Sunday morning you're carrying with you failure. You're carrying with you just your frailty, being a human. You're carrying with you fear of your next steps, whether it be in your career five years from now or 20 years from now or whether you'll ever get married or have kids or do whatever it is you're planning to do. I'm not even 30 yet, but I'm still thinking about my retirement already. Uh, It's kind of a scary thought. But friends, I want to tell you that whatever you bring in today, Jesus is lifting his arms out to you in the same way he did 2,000 years ago. and He says, my peace I give unto you with those same nail-scarred hands outstretched. And he's carrying you out of whatever mess you think you're in right now. And for this reason, we do have hope. Despite all the dead ends of our life, we have a future in God through Christ. And life's purpose and meaning hinge on his peace given freely to us even now. And that peace we'll celebrate here in a moment around this table. So we're free to celebrate and we're free to experience this good news even now. We're free to love and to be loved. We're free to extend that love to others. We're free to forgive and to be forgiven. That's it. We're free. A good friend, Melina Smith, she always says when you come into her house, be free. Be free. And as that sweet gospel tune proclaims, I've spent a few years as a Baptist, and this song spoke to me deeply. We sang it probably every week. But uh, you've heard it probably, and if you haven't, here's here's the the line. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorgesorg slash giving. Thank you.